Sometimes it is just difficult being a Chicago fan. Yeah, it is. If you are a Chicago fan of any professional sports team, you know what I'm talking about. The struggle is real. Today is Wednesday, November 18th, and it was the NBA draft. That's what happened today. Chicago Bulls had the fourth pick in the draft, and they selected out of Florida State University, six foot, eight inch, small forward, Patrick Williams. Although he could become a good player, he's got the potential, he's got skill, he is 19 years old, and he didn't start a single game for the Seminoles. He was the ACC Sixth Man of the Year, which is cool, awesome. But with the fourth overall pick in a draft, you're thinking you're gonna pick somebody that's gonna make an immediate impact. At 19 years old, not starting one single NCAA college game, you're not going to make an immediate impact. Sorry, you're not. Maybe in four years, three years, yeah, maybe, hopefully. Good projection pick, good down the road pick, but at number four, at number four, you should be taking the better players. I'll break down the top 10, and honestly, out of all the top 10 picks, the selections, Williams is by far the biggest project. Out of the top 10, I feel he is the most, he might be good, he might not, but if he is good, it's going to take a while. Like, that's who he is. On paper. I mean, it's all on paper. This is all just opinion, speculation, but that's what we do here at Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and thank you for joining us. This is episode 135. I am your host, Brandon LaChance. Thanks for joining. Let's do the plugs right now, and then we'll jump back into the Chicago Bulls draft pick. Social media, hit us up on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your CP. Have any questions, suggestions, want to advertise with us, want to send us some box scores, want to talk with us, or you have somebody that you know that would be a good guest, any of the above, shoot us an email. Edge of your seat podcast at gmail.com. Don't know where you're checking this one out, but you can listen to us, Spotify or Apple Music, iTunes. Let's get back to Williams, Mr. Patrick Williams. This is what he did his one year at Florida State University, 2019-2020. He played 29 games, averaged 22.5 minutes per game, shot 46% from the field, 32% from three, 84% from the free throw line. He averaged four rebounds, one assist, one steal, one block, and 10.2 points per game. Not a bad line. If you are a 25 pick or a 28 pick or early second round, number four pick, no man, no. And I understand he wants to work hard and he's a grinder and he's going to give his all. And yeah, we need that in Chicago. No doubt about that. Definitely need those types of players in Chicago, but not at the number four pick. I think it was roughly around the seventh or eighth pick, and they were asked, like, what was the surprise pick so far? Jay Billis, not even a hesitation. Williams at number four. He went way higher than I thought he would go. Leave it to the Bulls to do that. And not that, you know, this has got to be by the board and you don't take risk. But this is a huge risk. This is like the Chicago Bears trading up to get Mitchell Trubisky and we know what's happened there. I cannot take props for that analogy or that comparison. Have to give that to Josh Nauman, head basketball coach with the IBCC women's team. He is a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. He put that on Facebook, and I totally agree. I totally agree. This could go down as a very, very bad pick. And the post that Nauman left that on was me on Facebook. I said, three-year projection. The only reason Chicago Bulls fans remember Patrick Williams is because he was a waste of a fourth overall selection. I hope I'm wrong. Don't get me wrong. I hope I'm wrong. (laughs) I don't want to be right about this. But he's 19 years old. He's not going to be able to play with the big boys in the first couple years. No way. He's a projection pick, a hopeful, hey, he's going to become a good player. Awesome. Awesome. Not a number four pick. No way. On that same Facebook post, Princeton teacher, coach extraordinaire in Princeton, Eric Tinley 
put the draft prospect on there and said that they compared him to Paul Millsap. Veteran forward, has done a lot of good things with the Jazz, with Atlanta, and he is currently with the Nuggets since 2017. Paul Millsap is a good player. Really good player. If Williams can get to that level, cool. <laughs> like, I'd be more than happy with that. But it just seems like things are against him, and I don't see it happening. I would love for it to happen again, again. I want this pick to be awesome. I want the Chicago Bulls to be watchable. I want, during the season, to be able to talk about them with high hopes. That's what I like to do about all Chicago teams. But in order to be able to do that, we got to make good moves. We got to get good players. We got to make wise draft selections, wise trades. And that really hasn't happened for a lot of Chicago teams in a while. White Sox grab Eloy, which was awesome. Eloy Jimenez, awesome trade. But the trade was with Chicago Cubs. So one Chicago team won out, one Chicago team didn't. It is like that all the time. The struggle of being a Chicago professional sports fan is a struggle. It is. It is, for real. But we also have our high moments. World Series wins, NBA championships. It's been since the 90s, but we had them. Bears are good sometimes, bad sometimes. Defense is crucial pretty much since I've been alive. Defense has been pretty well, especially in the last 5, 10 years. We'll talk about that later as we break down some NFL games, some NFL picks, some NFL predictions, all that good stuff. But yeah, it's tough being a Chicago fan. Hopefully the Bulls prove me wrong. I would love for that to happen. Not just the Bulls, Patrick Williams. Bulls already did their part. They grabbed the player. Now Patrick Williams has to do what he said he was going to do in the interview. That's work hard, get better, do his best to compete and to win. I love the attitude. That's what you want from a player. I know he's a grinder. Let's do it. Let's make this fourth pick what I think is going to be a bust. And in three years, don't even remember who you are. I hope that's not what happens. I want you to prove me wrong. Do your thing. Come in and take over in Chicago. Please do it. Please. We need you to do that. Three guys chosen before Patrick Williams. Minnesota Timberwolves with the number one pick takes Anthony Edwards, shooting guard from Georgia. Pretty much knew that was going to be the case. Dude's a freak athlete. Can do whatever he wants to. Led the NCAA freshmen's last year with 19.1 points per game. He was the SEC freshman of the year. Tragic story. He is a strong man. His mom and grandmother passed away from cancer within months of each other. Dude is tough. He is strong. And he's playing with a reason, with a love, a passion. And that gets you a long, long way. I hope he blossoms for Minnesota. They need it. Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell could use a scoring wing, a scoring shooting guard who can do everything. And Anthony Edwards has the capabilities to do so. No doubt. He's a freak athlete. So hopefully he comes in and does some damage in Minnesota. Golden State Warriors with the second pick took James Wiseman, center from Memphis. Coming into the 1920 season, he was the number one prospect on the ESPN 100 board. Only played three games with Memphis. Averaged 19 points and 10 rebounds. Had some issues with playing coach Penny Hardaway, even though he loved Penny Hardaway. Played under him high school, college, but there were some things there. So he stopped and said, hey, I'm going to go out for the NBA draft. And that's what's happened. He's the second pick. Leading up to the draft, there was talks about the Bulls trying to trade Wendell Carter Jr., maybe Laurie Markkinen, up to try to get a better pick, maybe throw in some picks there. And I was hoping they would get the two-pick and take James Wiseman. The athletic center who can move, he can run the court, he plays defense, he blocks shots, he can do all of that. I was hoping the Bulls could work something out with the Warriors and try to get James Wiseman. But Wendell Carter Jr. cannot stay healthy. If he could, I wouldn't want to trade him because he's a good player. But he can't stay healthy, can't stay on the floor. I think all the other NBA teams know that as well. Laurie Markkinen, underachieving from what we thought he was going to be. NBA teams see that as well. So couldn't trade up. James Wiseman goes to the Warriors. When the Warriors came out and said the draft pick, they said James Wiseman. I kind of was like, ah, man, couldn't get the job done. 
but it's okay. Okay. James Wiseman will go to the Warriors. Third pick, Charlotte Hornets take LaMelo Ball, another ball brother in the NBA. Played in Australia last year, 17 points, 7.5 rebounds, 7 assists. He is instantly going to be a problem for opponents in Charlotte. Charlotte doesn't have a lot going for it after they lost Kemba Walker. Now they got a playmaker, a scorer, somebody that thrives to do his thing. That's LaMelo Ball. We all know the Ball family seems to be a family characteristic. Side note, cool thing, LaMelo and Lonzo are the first brothers to both be picked in the top five of an NBA draft. Pretty cool for the Ball family. But if you would have asked LaVar Ball, he would have said that both sons should have been number one picks. Of course, you know he would have said that. Fourth, of course, was the Bulls took Patrick Williams. Five, Cleveland Cavs take Isaac Okoro, small forward from Auburn, athletic defensive player. It's going to be pretty good. Going to be pretty good. Six, Atlanta Hawks, Aneka Akangwu, center from USC, two-time California Mr. Basketball. Just a big, quick, strong dude. He's going to make some moves in Atlanta. Atlanta's putting together a pretty good team with young talent. Give it a couple years. They mature, become better players. They might be tough. They might be tough. Detroit Pistons have been making all kinds of moves, trades throughout the draft and before the draft, and we'll get into some more trades and things that happen. But Detroit ended up with, I think, three top 20 picks, including at seven, Killian Hayes, point guard. He played in France. Looks really, really good. Athletic, can pass, can shoot. In 2017, he was the FIBA under-16 MVP and helped France win the gold. He's got a resume. Dude can play. Eight, New York Knicks take Obi Toppin, power forward from Dayton. When the Bulls did not trade to try to move up, get James Wiseman or a different player, I was hoping they would have took Obi. Obi Toppin is really, really solid. I know he played at Dayton in Atlantic 10. Not huge, not the uh, Big East, ACC, you know, nothing like that. But Duke can ball. He can play basketball, defense, offense. To me, a really good player. I was hoping the Bulls were going to take him. I was hoping the Bulls were going to grab Obi. I was asked yesterday, actually by Pat Beals, like who should the Bulls go after in the draft? And the first thing that initially came to my mind was, we need a big man who can shoot. A big man that can score. Obi would have been that. Hopefully, Patrick Williams can be that. But that's what I thought the Bulls needed instantly. Obi, in my mind, was the guy for the job if they did not get James Wiseman. And he was compared to Amari Stoudemire, I believe by Jay Billis. But yeah, compared to Amari Stoudemire, who was an NBA great for quite a long time. Nine, Washington Wizards take, and excuse me if I get these names wrong, at least this one wrong, Demi Avage. Small forward from Israel, 2019. He was on the U-20 team in Europe and won the MVP. It was said on the broadcast that he has the skill, the intangibles, to be the best player out of this draft. 10, Phoenix Suns take power forward Jalen Smith out of Maryland. Averaged a double-double and two blocks a game. So, breaking these guys down, their numbers, their accomplishments... Patrick Williams is the project. He is the least accomplished on this list, if you ask me. Not trying to be a Patrick Williams hater, but any of these other guys get picked with the four pick, I really want to be talking as much smack as I am right now. They have resumes. They've done something. They put up the numbers. Like I said, hopefully I'm wrong. It's just hard right now, right after watching the draft, right after seeing that selection, and your heart kind of sinking a little bit. And I wasn't the only one that thought this either. Put up polls on both the Edge of Your Seat podcast Twitter, which is Edge of Your CP, and my personal, which is LaShance Writer, at LaShance Writer, if you want to give me a follow as well. That would be awesome. But I put up some polls on my personal Twitter. I put, were you happy with the selection, Patrick Williams? My two options were good pick, and the other one was, ugh, pick again. 76% of 57 votes said, uh, pick again. On the edge of your CP Twitter, seven of eight votes said, uh, pick again. 
If you ever see any polls on Twitter, throw in your opinion. Always, always. Feel free to weigh in on anything. That's what we're here for. But like I said, not the only one that thought these things. Could go on about this forever, but I got my main points across why I think the Bulls should have picked somebody else. On this episode, we have a great guest ourselves, St. Bede senior Elena Wamhoff. She's doing some big things too. Signed to play volleyball for University of New York at Albany. She's going to Albany. Going to be a great Dane. Congrats to her. Great setter. I mean, I've seen her very, very, very first match of high school volleyball. St. Bede was playing Mendota at St. Bede, and she went off like 22 straight points. Set a record for the school. Just amazing athlete, and she didn't stop there. Hopefully she can get one more opportunity in high school volleyball, but if not, she's got her college all lined up to go play and continue her great things on the volleyball court. She was definitely a great interview. She had a lot of fun. We talked a lot of volleyball, school, life, all those great things. So definitely appreciate Elena Wamhoff joining us for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Before we get into some national topics, before we get to Elena, shout out to Pat Beals, friend of the podcast. He's pretty much my editor. He's the man. Send me a text if I say something wrong, pronounce something wrong. I appreciate it. I hope he never, ever stops doing that. Definitely much love and appreciation to Pat Beals. A couple episodes ago, I did a deep dive of Dire Straits, Brothers in Arms, and the lead singer, guitar player, said his name, Mark. I think I said not fear, not fear. It's actually Mark Knopfler. Thank you to Pat pointing that out. I don't want to ruin rock God's names. I don't know if he's a rock God, but I know he's pretty solid. Dire Straits put up a lot of numbers, made good music for a long time. Not trying to slander any names here. So thank you, Pat Beals, for pointing that out, bringing that to my attention. Back to some NBA trade stuff. Leading into the draft, and the draft is actually still going on. The late end of the draft is still going on. But there was all kinds of trades. I'm going to start from the bottom up. So the things that happened first and then new that feature players that we know, feature draft picks, stuff like that. Didn't put all the ones that are just draft picks or players that were just drafted that we might not know or recognize. So before the draft, the Los Angeles Lakers traded Danny Green in the 28th pick of the 2020 draft, first round, to the Thunder for Dennis Schroeder. Then OKC flips Danny Green around and Terrence Ferguson, sends them to the Philadelphia 76ers in return for Al Horford, Vasily Micic, 2020 second round pick, the number 34 selection, and a first round pick in 2025. The Milwaukee Bucks realizing that they needed some changes. They weren't going to win an NBA championship with the team that they had. Made some moves. They were trying to bring in Bogdan Verdanovich and Drew Holiday. They ended up being able to get Drew Holiday from New Orleans in a very complex trade. They were trying to do three-team trade. Bucks, New Orleans, and Sacramento Kings. Didn't work out the way they wanted to. Kings kind of backed out because of Brogdon didn't want to sign and trade. But Bucks bring in Drew Holiday from New Orleans, but gave up Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, 2020 first round pick, which was the 24th selection, 2024 pick swap, 2025 first round pick, 2026 pick swap, and 2027 first round pick. Three first round picks two swaps, and veteran guards and Eric Bledsoe and George Hill for Drew Holiday. Is Holiday worth it? I believe so. Lockdown defender can shoot, and he becomes Superman in the playoffs when he gets there. He is going to be that outside scorer, that outside shooter, that playmaker that Giannis and the Bucks need. And they kept Chris Middleton, which is a huge plus. Hopefully he can get over his playoff woes and shoot better, but with having Drew Holiday, who can be that number two option, lessen the load for Chris Middleton, it's a good move. It is a great move. I am really interested to see how the Milwaukee Bucks play, how they're formed, 
in this upcoming season. Trevor Ariza was moved around a little bit. Houston, Portland, now he's going to be with Detroit. He goes to Detroit with Isaiah Stewart, the number 16th pick in tonight's draft, and some cash. Houston receives a future draft pick. Ricky Rubio returning to Minnesota. Traded to Oklahoma City. Then they flip him. So Minnesota gets Ricky Rubio, 25th and 28th pick in tonight's draft. While Oklahoma City got the 17th pick, which ended up being center Alec Pokusevsky. And then in a three-player trade, Clippers take Luke Kennard. Nets grab Landry Shamet. And Pistons grab the 19th pick, which is Shadiq Bey and guard Rodney Magruder. Lots of moves. That was just the player moves. There's a lot more trades involving picks and moving other pieces around. A couple other things NBA-wise that I have not talked about that I have to talk about. James Harden declines the Rockets' $50 million contract extension. Would have made him the most paid player ever. He said, no, I'm declining. This team is falling apart. I don't like how it's ran. Coach was fired. Trevor Reza gone. Robert Covington's gone. He's traded to Portland. Lots of things moving. Harden wants out. Wants to go to the Nets. Another super team. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden. I do not think this one works out. You had three very, very, very ball-dominant guys that wants to control what happens in a game all on the same team. I do not see it working. Do not. Harden want to get out of OKC because he didn't feel like he was getting enough touches or not being exposed the way that he should. So he goes to Houston and it becomes his team. Going to Brooklyn Nets, it is not going to be your team. And in all honesty, it's almost like he's going to be the third fiddle. It could be Kyrie Irving being the third fiddle, but still, you're not going to be number one. A healthy KD trumps all. Another trade I have to talk about. Chris Paul going to Phoenix Suns. He was traded with Abdel Nader. Oklahoma City gets Kelly Obrey Jr., Ricky Rubio, who they traded. I just mentioned that. Ty Jerome, Jalen LeCue, and a 2020 first-round pick. Already mentioned that as well. Chris Paul going to the Suns. I don't know why, but the Suns can always get guards. Always, always have a good guard. Think of all the legendary guards. Jason Kidd, Steve Nash, Kevin Johnson. I could keep going and going and going about the guards that have played for Phoenix. They can get guards. I mean, it's warmer weather. Maybe they like that. And you got this guy named Devin Booker, who's a stud. They needed somebody to run with him, although Chris Paul is aging. He played very, very well this past season in OKC. So... I think it's a good move. Very, very good move. And it's going to create more opportunities for Devin Booker to go off. Summer came and went. Fall is just about over with as well. This doesn't mean there isn't time for end of the year home improvements. Olsa Construction works hard to help its customers until it's no longer possible. You know, whenever Mother Nature decides. Until then, brothers Keith Miles and Tommy Olson will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels, with COVID-19 making it hard to celebrate the holidays, this may be a good time to make your home as comfortable and cozy as possible. For a free estimate, call Olson Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olson Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsonconstruction19 at gmail.com. Just talked quite a bit about NBA Let's turn that over to NCAA. The men's tournament is moving to a bubble. They saw what the NBA did this past season, and there were no cases. There wasn't a breakout of the pandemic. No sharing of the COVID-19. NCAA is going to do the same thing. Take out the four venues, one venue, one bubble. I'm really interested to see how this works. 
It's a lot of teams. It's a lot of people. One spot. TV schedules, marketing, lots and lots of changes ahead for the NCAA men's tournament. College football says that the college football playoff is not going to change. There was some talks about delays. They were going to move it. The CFP committee says, nope, we're keeping it the way it is. A few things we have to touch on in MLB. Seems like baseball season is never over. There's moving, there's PEDs, there's all kinds of stuff in baseball. But unfortunately, for Chicago fans, here's another struggle. Cubs president of baseball operations, Theo Epstein, has stepped down. The architect, he helped the Cubs shake off that crazy long drought and won the 2016 World Series behind a Theo Epstein built team. He definitely came in, made some changes, and got the Cubs to a almost every game winner. They can win any game. Unfortunately, they can also lose them, but they have been a winner since he kind of took over and formed a team and, of course, got that World Series win. But in his interview, he's like, hey, this is kind of like a 10-year cycle job. Next year, 2021, would be his last year. This is a year where there's some big moves, a lot of contracts at stake, a lot of players that helped win that World Series or have become major vital pieces to the Cubs puzzle, there's a lot of decisions to make. So he's like, hey, I don't want to be here to do it for a year, make decisions that are going to have long-term lasting effects, and then I'm not here because I'm going to step away. Already knew what he wanted to do. Already knew he was going to leave baseball for a year or two and then come back and try to do something else. There's talks that he kind of wants to be in the ownership group realm. Own a team, not just lead it. Lots of things this man can do. Theo Epstein is a baseball genius. With Epstein stepping down, general manager Jet Hoyer is promoted to the Cubs president of baseball operations. And Theo is like, hey, this is your guy. He's going to be here. He wants to do this. He's got a good baseball head. Take this dude. I'm excited to a point. Disappointed that Theo is leaving because he brought a World Series to Chicago for the first time in over 100 years. We know the story. So Jed has some huge shoes that he has to step into. A couple people that are stepping out of their shoes. Robinson Cano, banned for the 2021 season. Tested positive for PEDs for the second time in his career. He was suspended for 80 games in 2018 for PED positive testing. And now he's done it again. And the MLB law is 162 games when you have a second positive PED test. So he's out for the whole year. And he has to forfeit his $24 million salary. I mean, I know he's got other money, but still, $24 million, that's a large chunk, man. That's a large chunk of money just gone. Just floated away. Another person who is not going to be playing in 2021, Tommy John surgery is happening, has happened. Happened yesterday, Tuesday, to Mike Clevenger, who pitched for the Padres after being traded from Cleveland in August. Almost from the get-go as a Padre, you could see something was wrong. He only had four starts. He went 2-1 with a 2.84 ERA right after signing a two-year, $11.5 million contract with the Padres. This is the second Tommy John for Clevenger. Had it in 2012 as well. Big hit to the Padres. He's going to be out for the whole year, rehabilitating his arm, and you know, hopefully he gets back to pitching the way that we know he can. He's always been a fun guy to watch, so hopefully he can get back on track. Something we all want to get back on track is our physical fitness. Let's face it, it's not easy to get in shape or to stay that way either. There are factors working against all of us, including time and work schedules, lack of a support system, maybe motivation is low, don't want to be judged or criticized if not supporting a gym rat body, injuries or physical restrictions. However, there is a place where these no's or maybes become yeses. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit, located at the Pru Mall, across from Secret Nails, offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time. It's not one day a week. There are many options, and classes only last one hour. Support group? 
LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation? The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements including bodyweight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided or pushed at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcome and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. You want to go hard? Hello, how are you? Go at it. That's the atmosphere. Want a more relaxed approach? You'll receive the same welcoming smile and the hello, how are you? Go at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions? These are a top priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. It is Wednesday. Did not have an opportunity on Tuesday's show to talk about the Bears' loss. I was going to say tragic, but that offense is a tragedy. Ugh. Lose to the Minnesota Vikings 19-13. Defense kept a minute. Cordell Patterson had a return touchdown. If they do not score by defense or special teams, the Bears hardly score. It's sad. It's tough to watch. But it is what it is. I mean, we kind of knew that coming in. We were going to go where our quarterback play was going to take us. Well, unfortunately, it's not taking us very far. So we have to rely on defense and special teams for absolutely everything. That's how it is, and that's how it's going to be. I don't see any major changes happening this season. They keep playing Foles, it's going to be what it is. They bring in Trubisky, going to be what it was. It's going to be a hit-or-miss Chicago Bears team season. They're not great, they're not awful, they're either going to just miss the playoffs or they're just going to make it. That's what the season is. For week 10 on picks went 10 and 4. Losses. I took Titans over Colts. Colts won 34-17. Eagles somehow lost to the Giants 27-17. Talked about this on the last episode. But man, those Cardinals. Last minute Hail Mary heave from Kyler Murray. Steals a victory from the Buffalo Bills and my football pick on with a 32-30 final. And I still don't know how this happened. The New England Patriots knocked off the Ravens 23-17. It could be because it was a tsunami out there or a hurricane. It was raining. Things were blowing. Couldn't really pass the ball. Fumbles. Slippery. Make any excuses you want to. But New England played in it as well. They won the game. Knocked off the Ravens. That crazily. Uh, that's all I could not say. I can't even say. I'll just make noises. That's what I thought of that game, especially after the Patriots almost lost to the Jets the week before. Yeah, Patriots almost lose to the Jets, who are winless, and then they turn around and beat the Ravens. Never would have thought that was going to happen. But we must move on, even though we're still wondering how things happen. This NFL season has been insane, but it's been a lot of fun to watch and to talk about. Week 11, here are the picks. Cardinals at Seahawks. I'm going Cardinals. I mean, they knocked off the Bills who smashed the Seahawks. The Seahawks lost to the Rams last week. All my faith is in the Cardinals. Steelers at Jags. Steelers still undefeated. Jags, an okay team. I'm going Steelers. Detroit Lions at Carolina Panthers. Uh, I think it could go either way. I'm going Carolina Panthers. New England Patriots at Houston Texans. I hope they played how they did against the Ravens. I'm going Patriots. Tennessee Titans at Baltimore Ravens. Ravens want a rebuttal. And the Titans have been falling off since the beginning of the season. They looked awesome in the beginning and now can't win a game where they just don't look good. Lost to the Colts on Thursday last week. Going Ravens. Eagles at Browns. I'm really scared to pick the Eagles here. No reason they should have lost to the Giants. Don't know what's going to happen here against the Browns, but the Browns have not been able to score a lot of points. Their defense is good. It's very good. But I'm going to go Eagles. Cincinnati Bengals at Washington. Believe it or not, Washington's defense has played well. And their offense has not been bad. Antonio Gibson has been a solid running back for Washington. Match that with the defense. Alex Smith back at quarterback. 
after breaking his leg in what looked like in half. He's back playing okay. I mean, Joe Burrow is throwing pretty well for Cincinnati Bengals, but I'm not impressed with their defense. Their line is not good. I got to go with Washington. New York Jets at Los Angeles Chargers. I'm going Chargers. Jets are winless, and I don't see them beating the Chargers. Not that the Chargers are great or anything. They're not, and it could happen, I guess. But I'm going to go with the Chargers for the win. Dallas Cowboys at Minnesota Vikings. I'm going Vikings. Cowboys have not been good. They are getting Andy Dalton back, but when he was playing, when he did start, he didn't look very good. I'm going Vikings, who have righted the wrong after starting 1-5, and five, now 5-5, five and five, pretty solid. Green Bay Packers at Indianapolis Colts. I'm going to go Colts in this one. I know Packers are good, but Colts' defense is sick. Top three in the league. Secondary is nasty. Their line is nasty. I'm going Colts. Phillip Rivers. He's been playing okay, not great. I mean, he's older. I'm going Colts. I'm going Colts. I don't think the Packers got this one. Kansas City Chiefs at Las Vegas Raiders. I want to go Raiders. I mean, they did beat them earlier in the season, but I have to go Chiefs. Chiefs are not going to let a team beat them twice in the same season. I don't see it happening. Los Angeles Rams at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's been some tough games this week to choose, but I think this is the toughest one week. Either one of these teams look like they're Super Bowl bound. And then the next week they look like they're not very good. Both of them have done it. I'm going to go Tampa Bay Buccaneers just because I think that offense is so dynamic. I know the Rams have a good defense, but so many wide receivers. They added Antonio Brown. Just so many things to that offense that I got to go Buccaneers. So those are my picks. Hopefully I can repeat the 10 and 4. I've been 10 and 4 the last two weeks. That's pretty awesome. Maybe I can do even better. That'd be cool. I did just mention Antonio Brown. Don't know if you've been following, but I guess right before he signed with Tampa Bay, which he started last week was his first game with them, shattered a security camera at his residential community and then threw his bicycle at the security shack or shed. The cops are going to arrest him, indict him for a misdemeanor, but the owners, the group that owns where he lives or that community said, no, we're not going to press charges. It's okay. Antonio Brown is a fool. He's wiling out. If he gets through this season, I'd be highly, highly surprised. Somebody else I would be surprised if they got through the season, Drew Brees. Last week, sacked, big guy landed on top of him, fractured five of his ribs, collapsed lung. That is damage. Damage. Hopefully he can come back. He still stayed in the game. He didn't even leave like right when it happened. Played through those wounds like he's Superman. Which I do think Drew Brees is a modern day Superman. The real one. Not mythical. Not live on planet Krypton. No. Drew Brees is the real Superman. But he is going to miss at least two to three weeks. And if he comes back, I would be surprised. I'm not going to lie. That's some internal injuries. Ribs do not just heal with the snap of your finger. There's nothing you can really do for them. You can't put them in a cast. You can't really put medicine on them. They have to heal, mend by themselves. You know, best of luck, I want Drew Brees to play because within the Saints are tough. Like, it's a tough team. Have to shed some love for St. Bede. St. Bede has opened their holiday shopping with joy to the Bruins. It opened November 12th and it closes December 10th. Order some cool stuff for you, your family, anybody that you want to give some St. Bede gear, some St. Bede holiday love to. Pickup is December 12th, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. at St. Bede. Don't even have to get out of your car. They're going to load the packages in your car for you. So you order on the phone or your computer or your tablet, do some online shopping. Go to St. B December 12th, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pick up your stuff. They're going to put in your car. That's some easy shopping. Very, very easy and convenient shopping. So for the link to shop, check out the St. Bede Academy Facebook page. And the Saint is spelled out. S-A-I-N-T, Bede Academy on Facebook. Happy holiday shopping there, no doubt. Well, long intro. 
got to get to St. Bede Sr., Elena Wamhoff. Awesome talk, cool chat, played some games, we joked around, talked some volleyball, and was very, very excited about her signing to University of New York at Albany. She's pumped. She's pumped. She's ready to play right now. We will be back on Friday with Mendota graduate and now pitcher for Milwaukee Area Technical College, Peyton Milas. Good story there as he battled some setbacks, some bad decisions, turned his thinking process around, and now he is doing good things for his life, for his schooling, for his passion of baseball. So, join us then. Already said it earlier, but check out any episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast you want to on Spotify and Apple Music iTunes. Until next time, peace. Sometimes in life you got to make some tough decisions. Like right now, about two minutes ago, it was like, do I turn off A Bug's Life, a movie that came out forever ago and I've seen quite a few times. For some odd reason, I like animated movies. Or talk to somebody for Edge of Your Seat Podcast. Not just somebody, but an amazing volleyball player who just did something that all high school kids dream about, signing for a D1 college. I am talking with, talking about, St. Bede Senior, Elena Wamhoff. How's it going, Elena? It's great. How are you? I am doing well. Sorry I had to intro it like that, but I'm like, man, I got to turn this movie off and talk to her. I got to right now. <laughs> so you signed to the University of Albany to play volleyball. This has to be a huge, huge, huge deal for you being able to go to the next level. Yes, I'm so excited and grateful that I get the chance to do this. What made you decide to be a Great Dane? It was the fact that I could play at a high level of volleyball and still have a coaching staff that values academics so I can study whatever I want when I get there. Okay, we'll go studies route and then we'll go back to volleyball route. Studies, what do you want to do? Probably environmental engineering or computer science. And it's hard to get a coach at the division one level to let you study something like that because it's so rigorous so I'm just very happy that they're okay with that so you're very educated and intelligent as well <laughs> I, w I would say so <laughs> <laughs> I mean to want to do that and to get in that type of program yeah that's exactly what that means yeah <laughs> what do you hope to do with that in the future um I'm not 100% sure possibly pre-med but I have nothing set yet. And you don't have to. You're young. You're not even done with high school yet. Lots of things ahead of you. Yeah, definitely. Okay, now we'll go back to volleyball route. What is it about the program? Uh, obviously, coaches agreeing to your rigorous school schedule. What about mm -hmm. the program said, hey, I want to go here and play? Well, they just got a new coach last year, and... I love the coaching staff, and then they're actually very successful. They won the conference last year, and then they got the bid to the NCAA tournament. So that was very appealing, because <laughs> that would be a great to do in the future sometime. They also are, have a very different view of coaching and of how they play. And it's more team-focused, and that's really appealing to me. Can we elaborate on the team focus? What is it about that that <laughs> you know was appealing to you? It's hard to describe. The, the coach described it to me for probably, I would say, half an hour one day. But um, he has a different view of how to get players to improve how they play and then, like, team-oriented and trying to get a teamly vibe. I'm not sure how to describe it. Rather than just focus on the individual improvement, it's focused on everyone getting better, no matter if you're on the court or if you're off the court. So that half-hour speech obviously worked. Yeah, it did. <laughs> That's fantastic. Good stuff. Usually when you go to D1, sometimes there's a waiting period. Sometimes you're automatically into the roster because you're that good. I feel you're that good. Does the coach think that you're going to play as soon as you get there? Um, no. <laughs> they have um, three great setters already in the program. So I'll have to wait my turn, probably. Are you going to take a red shirt year? No, I'm not. Okay. 
But you get the opportunity to learn from these great setters that are already there, already playing D1 volleyball, and you'll get to learn from them. Yes, I'm so excited for that. I'm kind of scared now because I see what you've done in high school and for you to get better and learn from other ones that are already playing at D1 level. I'm kind of scared of what you're going to be able to do. (laughs) I hope I I can get better, yeah. (laughs) Me saying scared, I mean very, very, very excited for you. Yeah. (laughs) University of Albany is in New York. You live in Illinois, northern Illinois. That is quite a drastic change of scenery and the people you're around, your social circles, your everyday way of life. Are you excited for the change? Yeah, I'm super excited. I had been looking at the East Coast for forever with recruiting, so that's where I wanted to go. I didn't get the chance to visit before I verbally committed, but I got to visit in August. And it's just beautiful. And Albany is a smaller city, but then you can, you're can you within two hours from New York and two hours from Boston. And then you're within like 15 minutes of like apple orchards and like vineyards and stuff. So it's very broad of what I can do when I'm there. And I'm excited about that. It sounds like your world is about to be open of many opportunities and possibilities. Yes, absolutely. That's fantastic. I don't know if you're a baseball fan, but you got to go to Fenway in Boston and check out a Red Sox game. Just saying. <laughs> one place I've always wanted to go to, and everybody says, even if you're not a baseball fan, you have to go check it out. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Are Boston and New York two places that you're definitely going to go check out and see what that's all about? Being over here, you know, we hear all the stories, and this is cool, and this is bad. You know, Boston smells funny, New York smells funny, but then there's all these things to do. You're definitely going to go check that out? Oh, absolutely. I actually visited Boston and New York two years ago when I was on a recruiting trip. So I'd definitely love to go back and see those cities again. You have been on this recruiting trail, the process, for quite a while. You just said two years, you know, you would already went to Boston, New York, checking things out. Now you're a senior. Now the recruiting process is wrapped up. Let's just talk about the process itself and the pros and cons and what you enjoyed about recruiting and hey people want me to play for you but then there's the cons as well yeah my recruiting journey has been good compared to other people's but it's still not easy it's still a very hard thing to get involved with because reaching out to coaches isn't exactly easy and talking to them and then also the fact that you need to know what you want at an early age which is not easy sometimes. I actually started recruiting probably pretty early because it was before they changed the rule of when you could start talking to Division One coaches. They changed that last year, I believe. So the class underneath us had actually had an easier time because they couldn't be recruited prior to their junior year. It was a journey, definitely. It took a long time. And then when I actually got the chance to get a offer from Albany, I was... So excited for it to be over finally, actually. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. Were there any other schools D1 level that you wanted to go to or that there was a possibility that you would play for them? Uh, Columbia University. It's an Ivy League. I was very interested in going there. I visited there. It's in New York. True story. I almost went there for journalism. Not any athletics. Oh, wow. I wasn't good enough D1 level for athletics, but I almost went there for their journalism program. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's a great school there. But I was kind of scared of that move all the way to New York at the age of 18, so I just went to Southern Illinois, which was five hours away, so I got away, but I could come home if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, great school. But so is Albany. I mean... When I saw the Facebook, actually it was Twitter, the Twitter post of you signing, I'm like, she's a great Dane. I automatically knew, like, hey, she's a great Dane. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Going to go back to the question a little bit about, uh, you know, the recruiting process. What were some of the things that you liked that you enjoyed about the process? I enjoyed talking to some of the coaches and getting, on, getting to know the schools in a different perspective because you can read all you want, like on the website and information. But then you get a completely different feel when you get to talk to the coaches. So I enjoyed that. And then I enjoyed, like, seeing how high of a level that I could possibly play at and the different level of academic that I could possibly get into. 
Okay. And what were some of the things that you didn't like that you're like, man, I'm glad this is over. I'm signed with Albany. Now I don't have to worry about this. What were some of those things that would be in this column, the cons? <laughs> um, I didn't like the pressure of talking to coaches. It was fun at times, but it was also very stressful and stressful to have to continue emailing them and make sure you had constant contact with them. That was always pressure and just added on to what you were already doing at that moment. It's hard when you compare yourself to other people who are also being recruited because at club everyone's being recruited and it's hard because sometimes they're at a different process, like a different time in the journey than you are. So it's hard to sometimes watch when you're not quite as far as they are. So maybe that like jealousy or envy factor stands in because they're like at this point and you're like two points behind them trying to catch up. Well, yeah, and it's it's just not like a set timeline on when you're supposed to do things and when you're supposed to be talking to coaches and different stuff like that. There's no specific way you're supposed to do it, so it's hard to know when you're supposed to be doing these things. Gotcha. It is very abstract. Like, it's just mm-hmm. your journey, how you go about it, the schools that yeah. you're in contact with or trying to go to. It is very abstract. There is no written rules whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So now, as a great Dane, you'll be in the purple and gold, leaving the St. Bede Bruin green and white. Which colors do you like better? Um, I would say purple and gold. <laughs> I like the green, but I have been green all my life, so I, I am glad to get to a purple and gold. And I like the purple, the purple color better. <laughs> You're ready for a change? Yes, definitely. Funny thing is, I went to Mendota, which was purple and gold. And when I was looking at schools, even though I wasn't playing sports, I was like, I don't want to be purple and gold anymore. The complete opposite of you. So then I went to Saluki's and we were maroon and black and maroon and silver. Yeah, it's a good change. It's just different. Well, that's a good segue to talk about, you know, St. Bede. You're still a senior there, still going to school. However, COVID-19, IHSA. Illinois Department of Public Health, Governor J.B. Pritzker, a lot of intangibles, a lot of people, a lot of governing bodies saying whether we are or are not going to have sports at this time or at all, or all these things keep going on. What is your view on what's going on for high school sports? I'm very sad to see that we may not get a senior season. It's just very frustrating at times, but also understandable and I'm honestly just hoping that we might get to be able to play some games in the spring. Because right now, you might be able to. They're saying that it's a go in the spring, but when spring gets here, we don't know. And that's been the, yeah. kind of the process here. Yeah, it's like hard to see how like basketball is going down right now. So it's hard to maybe even see if volleyball would be able to happen. But I'm just hoping for the best. Have you thought about or was there you know, a consideration of graduating early to try to go to Albany a little earlier? No, not right now because, well, one, they have, they have three setters. They don't particularly need me this year. And I actually did look into it. I didn't have enough English credits, so I'd have to take two English classes this semester, which I couldn't have done, so it wasn't possible. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people doing that, so I just thought I would ask that if you you had thought about that or that ran across your mind, because with the way sports are and people wanting to play or, you know, progress their life, they're like, hey, you know, I'm going to graduate early, go to college, so, you know, it's a possibility. Unfortunately, English classes, man, I swear, they're the tough. (laughs) As a journalism major, I took a lot of English classes, so I know the pain. I know the struggle. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So that means you're definitely going to stick out your senior year at St. Bede. You're there until you graduate. Yes, I am. Obviously, still some more memories to make. Not the ones that we're used to and that a senior year should have. I definitely give all the kids in school major props for, you know, keeping their heads up and sticking to schoolwork and books and trying to progress life because, man, I know it's a difficult time. But what are some of your favorite memories with St. Bede, especially volleyball? I mean, you might not get to play again, so you got three years of pretty solid memories. Yeah, um, definitely my top memory. It's my first game freshman year against Madonna, serving for 22 points, I believe. That was probably the best memory because I was so nervous. Also, 
probably just getting to a regional championship all three years. That was always fun. And lastly, playing with Hallie McGuire my sophomore year. That was super fun because I knew she was a great player. It was like a powerhouse with her. All right, I'm going to go through all three. First one, I may have known the journalist that was there and talked to you after the game against Mendota. That was insane. I'm sitting there watching like this freshman. I've heard some good things. You know, I did the preview for St. Bede Volleyball. Coach Carrie Damerell, who has since moved on from St. Bede, she's a teacher in Metamora. But I'm like, man, you got like five points, six points, ten points. I'm like, this is crazy. And kept going and going and going. I think you set the record. Yeah, I did for the school, yeah. <laughs> that was insane. But I'm glad I was part of that. That was amazing. Yeah, it was so fun. <laughs> and you were so shy in the interview afterwards. <laughs> I remember that. Yes, yes, I was. I was not expecting that to happen at all. <laughs> so shy. But it was cool. I mean, I got what I needed. We talked, and obviously it worked out well. Went to three regional championships. Unfortunately, didn't win one. In the gym, there's... You already know what I'm going to say here. There's the banner. It's got one year on yeah. it. Every single year, the goal for St. Bede is to add a number on there. There's only one, mm -hmm. 2001. I know it was a major thing for you to try to change or try to add a number to the banner. Yeah, it still is. If we get a regional this year, I'm just hoping we get the chance to possibly get it my senior year because that would be a dream. Seriously, every girl that I talk to that plays State B volleyball, like, they're like, hey, we're going to change this. We're going to change this. You still got a chance. We're going to hope that the spring season comes and you can be you know, part of the reason that there's another number there. I really hope so. And you mentioned Hallie McGuire. I've watched a ton of volleyball games in my life, but watching you and her as a duo was probably some of the coolest, dominant, passing, strike, kill combinations I've ever seen in my life. It was a great time. It was probably the first time that I got to play with a player like her as a middle, and I was also really good friends with her, so it was always super fun. She scared me. Like, if she spiked a ball <laughs> at me, I would, I would be petrified. Yeah, she hit it pretty hard. She was a monster. <laughs> How has schooling at St. Bede been? I mean, with COVID-19, every school is doing things a little different. Some are in school, some are in school, in class for like a couple days. Then they go home and do the Zoom e-learning. What is St. Bede doing to try to help you get your education in before you leave? We were most of the time doing four days in person and then Wednesdays online but last week it well this past week has been all online because of covid and they're hoping to send us back on monday in person and i hope they do that because online learning is honestly hard to do and hard to keep motivation to do anything if i was in school right now with this e-learning thing man <laughs> i would be scared my grades my gpa would plummet i'd be at home in my pajamas playing video games eating food trying to catch up with my friends i would not be doing schoolwork whatsoever yeah it's it's hard it's hard to have any motivation when you're at your house do you have your parents being like hey gotta get to it no they're at work it's only me so if they're at work, you're like, hey, I can do whatever I want, pretty much. Yeah, it's nice sometimes, but it's also bad. <laughs> I can see that. I can see the uh, the devil and angel on your shoulders right now telling you whether you should do homework or not. Yes. All right, Elena, it's time to play a game. Are you ready to play some Rank'em? Yes. We're going to do ice cream flavors. Don't know if you listened to episode 132, but I pretty much proposed marriage to ice cream. That's pretty crazy, right? It is. It is. <laughs> so let's rank some ice cream flavors. We are going to rank chocolate, vanilla, strawberry, cookie dough, and chocolate mint. We'll go with those five one would be your favorite, five would be your least favorite. And you can start whichever end of the spectrum you'd like to. Okay, five is going to be chocolate mint. Four, vanilla. Vanilla is just boring. Strawberry. I'm not a huge fan of strawberry, but it's still better than vanilla in my mind. And then second, 
Oh, this is hard. I'm going to go with chocolate a second. I love chocolate ice cream, but cookie dough is just definitely better. Nice, 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 nice. Now, I just kept with the kind of, like, not generic, but the normal flavors that we all know of. Is there any other kind of flavors, Ben and Jerry's, or all the other different kinds of ice cream that you like? Um, I've always been a fan of the Superman ice cream. That's probably my favorite. <laughs> that is totally a kid's choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but good. I understand it. And it's colorful. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Perfect. Well, Elena, thank you for spending some time with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I am very happy for you. Glad that you got a D1 school to go play volleyball with. And these other setters... Should be scared because you're good and you're only going to get better. (laughs) Congratulations for signing to go to Albany and thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you.